This episode of Moon Tower Business is brought to you by your local State Farm agent, Alejandra de la Torre. Alejandra's team has amazing customer service, knowledgeable staff, and super competitive pricing. They also have a very convenient location in Round Rock, located at 2200 North A.W. Grimes Boulevard, Suite 500. Alejandra's team is bilingual, and they have over 52 years of combined experience in the insurance industry. Alejandra's team is very friendly and helpful, and they always go the extra mile. They even have after-hours emergency availability. So please call Alejandra's State Farm team for all of your insurance needs, whether it's auto, home, life, or business. Their telephone number is 512-244-3311, or you can see their website at www.alexdelatorre.net. Welcome, everybody, to the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Obell. And today I'm speaking to Christopher Gimmer, who is the co-founder of Snappa.com and uh, the founder of Bitbo. Christopher, how are you doing? Here yourself. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming on here. Um, I'd like to maybe start out, but maybe you just kind of introduce yourself to listeners and talk a little bit about the things you've been working on in the past. Yeah, so... Um... My uh, my actual backgrounds in in finance and accounting, uh, and I worked uh, in corporate slash government roles for uh, a little while after graduating university, and uh, realized that that definitely wasn't for me. I uh, wanted to you know do some more traveling and and have a bit more autonomy in my life, um, and so eventually I uh, started getting into. Um, you know, online business and gravitating towards, you know, marketing and, and tech and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so my business partner and I ended up launching a few uh, different projects. Uh, some of them failed. Some of them were, you know, mildly successful. Uh, and eventually we built Snappa, which is a uh, online graphic design tool. Um, and that was the project that enabled us to quit our, our day jobs and, and kind of go full time on entrepreneurship. Uh, so we've been running that since 2015. Uh, it's a, it's a boot, we bootstrapped it. So we didn't raise any money for it. It's a small team, um, and built it to over a million dollars in uh, recurring re- annual recurring revenue. Um, and then, uh, most recently as we've gotten further and further down the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole, uh, we've, we launched a project called Bitbo, which is, um, a real time dash, a real time Bitcoin dashboard. Um, and we're also in the process of kind of uh, building out uh, historical uh, data as well. Um, so I'm kind of splitting my time between uh, Snappa and Bitbo at the moment. Nice. How did you come up with the concept for uh, Snappa? Yeah, so we had we were working on uh, another business at the time, and uh, we were growing that primarily through content marketing. So I was uh, writing uh, a lot of blog posts um, and doing you know doing a lot of SEO. And one of the pain points that I experienced was having to put these images together because we didn't have the budget to hire a graphic designer. Um, and I found the tools at the time were either. Uh, overly complicated, or they were just too simple where you can just kind of throw text on a background. And so 
we thought there was um, an opportunity to create something in the middle ground where it was still easy to use, but you can actually create uh, good looking graphics that are on par with what you would get back from uh, a, a graphic designer. Um, so that was kind of the the impetus for that. And uh, it's a bit of a longer story, but we also had built some kind of uh, other tools that we ended up using as as a lead generation uh, in, into that. Uh, but that that was kind of the impetus for it. Nice. So um, you started Bitbo. When when was that? When did that launch? So we launched Bitbo uh, this past November. Um, so it hasn't been a year yet. Um, so it's been p- pretty recent. So can you just uh, talk about a little bit about your uh, Bitcoin journey? How you how you got into it when you first kind of started learning about it? And what kind of stuff did you did you read or watch to to kind of uh, learn about it? Yeah. So I first. Um, uh, got into it a little bit in, in 2017, uh, bought a little bit, not not too much at the time. Um, and I didn't really put in the necess- the, the time necessary to, to truly understand it um, back in 2017. Um, and it wasn't and, and the reality was is like we were I was a lot more focused on growing Snappa. Um and then if you, you know, fast forward to 2018, 2019, Snappa was starting to go, um, you know, pretty well. And we had, uh, you know, profits were growing. So I had a, you know, a bit more money to actually, you know, invest and, and figure out what to do with. Um, and around that same time, I, I started to, you know, get more into investing and kind of almost uh, uh, had, you know, a couple more touch points with, with Bitcoin Um one person who was really influential was Preston Pish, uh, cause you know, I, I'd listened to his podcast. Um, and then, so that's when I really started to like go down the rabbit hole a bit more and truly understanding like, you know, why Bitcoin is valuable and, and especially why is it, you know, uh, you know, why it's, uh, it's more valuable than all these other altcoins, uh, and whatnot. And so around, 2019, I would say, is when I, you know, really started to get into it and and uh, started buying a bit more on the personal side. And then um, after COVID hit, to me, it felt like, you know, we've entered a new paradigm, and it just seemed like it the the probability of it actually becoming a global reserve currency um, increased substantially. And to me, it seemed like the current monetary system is <laughs> it's becoming increasingly more clear that it's it's not sustainable uh given the amount of uh debt that's piled up and and the way that uh you know interest rates are are negative in in many jurisdictions and close to negative in pretty much all jurisdictions um and then so uh again i i kind of started to <laughs> allocate a bit more both on the personal side and as well in our, our business and uh you know i've been uh just keep keep going further and further down the rabbit hole and and getting uh, more excited about it. That's awesome. How early do you think we are right now in Bitcoin? Uh, I mean, assuming it goes all the way, we're we're still extremely early. Um, I mean, if you if you look at um, the global debt market, you know the real estate market. Um, you know, you're talking hundreds of trillions of dollars of of wealth. Um, obviously, not you know 100 of that would would flow into Bitcoin. Um, but if you use some of those 
you know, uh, valuations and then back in, you know, how much of that could be store of value, you know, I think you can easily arrive at a one to $10 million per coin in today's purchasing power. So I, I think we're still really early. And then what's, what's also really exciting is looking at the development of the lightning network, um, seeing what's happening in El Salvador, uh, remittances and people building, you know, layer three applications on top of lightning. And it's one of these things where, you know, I, I think like we don't even know what's going to be possible 10 years from now. I think, um, there's obviously the, the store value piece, um, and you know, the, the financial, um, piece of, of Bitcoin as the asset. Um, but I think we don't even know what could possibly happen or what could possibly happen with Bitcoin, the network, uh, and how that's going to evolve and, and all the innovation that's going to come out of that. Yeah, it's very exciting to see the the innovation with Lightning Network. I actually just went to El Salvador last month. Uh, oh, awesome. Some time, I spent some time in El Zante. Yeah, and, how was uh, that? It was awesome. It was really cool. Uh, I had the Strike app. And uh, I was able to use Lightning Network to just buy like random stuff like water, Gatorade, you know, just like a, a, a ride to the store, uh, surfing lesson. Uh, I got to go to that Hope House and meet some of the guys that are there working on uh, Bitcoin projects. And it was really, really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so Bitpo, um, I guess you got into Bitcoin. You, you were learning about it. Um, what inspired you to launch Bitpo or this specific product or this, this platform? Yeah, well, you know, what we found in terms of, um, you know, uh, price trackers and dashboards is that they're usually always focused on like uh, both Bitcoin and, and altcoins. Um, so for one thing, we wanted a dashboard that was strictly uh, Bitcoin focused and, and to filter out all of the, all the noise, so to speak. Um, and then the other thing is that we found, you know, the data was kind of scattered across various different sites. So if you wanted to track just the price, usually you'd go to one website. If you wanted to track, you know, track like hash rate, you go to another. If you wanted to track this, you'd go to another. Um, and so we kind of wanted to amalgamate everything into, you know, one really nice dashboard um, where you can, you know, look at it. And you can see what the what the price is doing, what all the metrics are doing. You know, we've incorporated BTC Magazine feeds, so you can even get the news as part of there now. Um, and like I mentioned before, that that where we want to go from here is start incorporating all of the historical charts as well, in addition to the real time uh, data. And um, yeah, so that's basically the the goal is that you know we want to we want Bitpo to be you know the entire Bitcoin ecosystem in in one website and kind of uh, amalgamate all that information and display it in a way that is, um, you know, has keep, you know, UX and, and UI in mind. Uh, Cause that's uh, you know, good design I think is really important. Get some really interesting features on there, like the number of nodes and Bitcoin versus gold and the news articles. I think it's really unique. That's really, I hadn't seen any websites mm -hmm. like that. Are there, are there other websites that are doing something similar? Uh, the closest one. Uh, so Clark Moody had created a dashboard. Um, uh, low before we had, um, but it's you know strictly data, so there's no price chart, uh, you know, not incorporating the news and stuff like that. Um, and uh, for him specifically, I know that he mentioned in an interview that like he wanted his to just be like a snapshot in time. Uh, and so, like I said, we we want to provide that real time 
uh, data, but we also want to go a step further and incorporate and you know present uh, historical stuff as well, so you can see you know how things are trending over time. Because you know it's one thing to look at you know what the hash rate is right now, uh, but you know you kind of have to put that into context. Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? By how much? Um, and and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, I love it, and I think like Bitcoiners would love to kind of see all this information, but like. I mean, I feel like people like in Wall Street and people interested in in, in investing in, in Bitcoin and want to see metrics like this would would uh, check this website out too. What what would you say is like your target audience for this? Uh, I mean, right now it's probably a bit more uh, retail focused. So it really depends like, you know, if people, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that just use it as as a price tracker and they, you know, saved it to their home screen. Um, you know, we, we have stats for what fees are like right now. So if people are, are doing, uh, sending transactions, they might want to see, okay, what are the fees right now? Should I wait a little bit or, you know, how much, uh, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, fee do I, do I need to pay for a transaction? Um, so yeah, I would say as of right now, it, it's definitely more of the, the, uh, enthusiast, uh, more on the, on the retail side. Um, but, um, you know, institutions is, is definitely something that, you know, down the line, maybe we can, you know, uh, potentially add some tools and stuff, but, you know, right now we're building for the plebs, uh, as they say. <laughs> nice. Nice. And how, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the process of putting this together? Was it, was it difficult to kind of find some of this information and, and put it together on a website? Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's kind of a combination of things. So, you know, what's obviously so amazing about uh, Bitcoin is that everything, uh, at least on the base layer is, is completely accessible to anyone who can run a node. So all of the, all of the base layer, uh, you know, blockchain data is, you know, we're just running a node and, and that's super easy to, to access. And anyone who runs their own node uh, could also get this same information. Um, You know, we're just, presenting it in, in a nice way. Uh, and then there's other things like, you know, pr- uh, like the price itself, for example, um, you know, that data comes from, from exchanges. And so we, you know, we tap into APIs and stuff like that. So some of the data we're just, you know, querying the blockchain with our own nodes. Some of it we're pulling in from APIs. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it's it, depending on what, what, te- what the data is, it, it, you know, we're, we're grabbing it from, from different sources. Um, so it was, yeah, it was in terms of building it, it was a matter of, you know, getting all this data, um, you know, putting it into a database and then, you know, building out a nice front end to, you know, display that, uh, data in, in, uh, in a nicely designed way. Gotcha. I've been thinking about running my own node and frankly, I'm a little bit intimidated by it. <laughs> See, mm-hmm. like uh, the ones that you put together, I know there's like some plug and play ones, but um, what I've seen online and a lot of people buy the kind of all the separate parts and then put it, put together a raspberry Pi and make their own case for it, et cetera. How hard is it to, to run your own node or put one together? Yeah. So I'm actually not a developer. Um, and so my, my, my co-founder is the one who kind of, uh, built the, the, the actual site, but, uh, so I, I guess I'm somewhat technical uh, so I run my own node and like, like you kind of alluded to, um, the easiest thing is just to, um, you know, use something like a my node or, or an umbrella. Um, and it's, it's re- as long as you're somewhat technical, it's really not that hard. Essentially there's, you know, uh, three or four things, um, that you need to buy, uh, like, a, you know, Raspi, a case, uh, SD card, external hard drive. 
Um, it takes, you know, less than five minutes to put all that together. Um, and then if you, again, if you're using MyNode or Umbrella, you flash the, the, uh, the SD, um, and then, you know, you let it sit and it runs the software and it's, it's really as simple as that. So, uh, if you're running one of those, you know, off the shelf services, um, anyone who's like even remotely, you know, technical or has some, some computer, computer savviness, uh, should be able to figure it out. Um, Ben from BTC sessions has some really good tutorials on how to set one of those uh, nodes up. Um, so I'd definitely encourage anyone who's interested to check out one of one of those tutorials and uh, pretty confident you'll be able to, to figure it out. Do you have a node or do you run a node that does uh, lightning as well? Uh, so we're looking to get more into lightning. Uh, right now we're focused more, we do have some lightning stats, but, um, uh, so, I mean, the, so the, 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 like, so my node, for example, that I, that I run at home, uh, I can run lightning on it. Um, for me personally, I, you know, want to explore that a little bit more. Um, but I've been, you know, fo- focused more on, on, on the base layer stuff, but lightning is, is definitely really exciting and want to, uh, get my hands a little bit more dirty there. Absolutely. Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting from uh, uh, people that are using Bitbo? Um, what, I guess what are they saying? Are they liking it, or what's going on with that? Yeah, people people seem to be really liking it. Uh, some people have some unhealthy uh, addictions to it, <laughs> so that's uh, I guess uh, a, a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of um, you know what what uh, Bitbo is right now, uh, obviously we we check you know the stats and stuff, and you know. It, Definitely exceed our expectations in terms of, you know, the amount of traffic and and whatnot. Um, And so, yeah, we're really excited to, you know, take take the next step and start building out um, some some more pages and tools and and historical data. And, yeah, just keep uh, providing more value to the the Bitcoin community. Excellent. Where do you see it like in five years? What, What kind of stuff do you think you'll have on the website? Um, I mean, the the near term goal is to essentially take all of the real time data that we're providing and essentially turn all of that into individual pages so we can track uh, all the historical of, of all the data. Um, I think what's going to be really interesting is seeing how lightning evolves um, and seeing I like kind of like I was alluding to before, uh, I think, you know, five years from now, I don't even think we can have any idea what is going to be built five years from now and, and what type of, uh, data, you know, we, we, we could be showing at that time. So, um, I think Bitcoin is just moving so fast. Like we don't even know where, where it's going to end up in five years. What do you think of, uh, the Bitcoin law in El Salvador? Do you think, uh, you think it has, uh, it could be successful? Yeah. I mean, I think it could definitely be successful. I think we need to like, be realistic and, and temper expectations in terms of, you know, it's a very small country. I think there's 6 million people. It's obviously a very small economy. So I think it's, I think it's fantastic for uh, the people of El Salvador uh, and, and the country itself. Um, but, you know, because it's just such a small player in the global economy, um, you know, if we're just talking about like, you know, price and whatnot, uh, I don't think it's going to make, you know, a, a huge, you know, meaningful difference in, in, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, the value of, of Bitcoin, the asset itself. Uh, but like I said, I think I'm more excited in terms of what it's doing for lightning adoption. Um, it's proving out that, yes, this this lightning network is scalable. People are getting 
uh, real world usage out of it. Yes, you can buy coffee with Bitcoin. <laughs> um, right. And it kind of uh, obliterates the use case for like almost all of these, you know, no, uh, altcoins, which uh, just, you know, probably shouldn't really exist. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm really excited about. There's a lot of buzz about um, other countries following suit uh, in South America and in Central America. Um, do you think we're going to see that probably in the next few years, another country adopting Bitcoin as legal tender? Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised by it, um, but I, I mean, it, it, I would just be purely speculating at this point. Uh, it does seem like there's some kind of uh, appetite. I mean, you, you've seen definitely some, some people, some political leaders on, on Twitter with laser eyes down there. So it, it definitely wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think it's going to be one of these like slowly then gradually type of things where, you know, maybe we don't see another country adopting it until like next year. And then it might take, you know, another year, but then two people will, will adopt it that year. And then next thing you know, that's kind of five countries a year after that. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be this like massive rush of, you know, five countries uh, adopting it within the next year. Uh, I think it's still going to be a, a slow, uh, slow trickle, but then it's, it's going to kind of, uh, you know, probably grow exponentially from there. How about institutional investors? And we already have some, some big players in the market, uh, putting money into Bitcoin, but do you think that's going to continue to snowball or you think that, uh, how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah. Um, so again, like I think the writing is on the wall in terms of, uh, bond yields. Um, and I think the longer that, uh, bond yields are negative in real terms, I think it's going to cause more and more institutions to look at Bitcoin as a, uh, both a diversifier and another way, uh, to capture some, some upside within their, their portfolios. Um, so I, I definitely see more institutional demand coming online. Um, and again, I think it's one of these things where, you know, Michael Saylor came in hot at like 100%. And, uh, I think, you know, maybe some people got a a bit too excited, but I think what's, what's more likely to happen is you're going to have more and more institutions say, you know, we're going to put, you know, one, two, 5%, um, of our treasury or, you know, in, into, uh, into Bitcoin, you're going to probably see more insurance companies putting in one to 2%. Uh, but then, you know, that might go to, to 10% and, and more, more, uh, institutions coming online. Uh, so again, I think, I think everything's just going to snowball. Like, I think we're, we're living in kind of, uh, an exponential uh, age right now. And, uh, I don't, I don't see that really slowing down. I totally agree. Do you think you'll ever have, um, you know, some of the metrics on uh, public companies that uh, are somehow affiliated with Bitcoin, like MicroStrategy or or Riot uh, on the BitBo dashboard, just maybe kind of like a ticker and stock price or anything? Yeah, we yeah, we're, we're definitely looking into that. Uh, there's actually a site called uh, BitcoinTreasuries.org uh, that kind of lists all the companies that have uh, Bitcoin on their balance sheet. And so we're pulling in some of the high level stats. So on BitBo, uh, we actually show how many um, how many uh, corporations have Bitcoin uh, on their balance sheet as part of their treasury and, and the percentage of the supply. 
so we do have some high level stats at the moment, but uh, not like super broken down. Gotcha. Um, I guess so. If, if there's a listener, there are listeners out there that uh, don't own any Bitcoin, don't know much about it, and they're interested in you know getting started with it, learning about it, maybe investing a little bit. What kind of advice would you give to somebody that has no experience or any exposure to Bitcoin? Yeah, I would say uh, the first thing that I would read is the the bullish case for Bitcoin by Vijay Boyapati. Um, he actually it started out or it was originally published as a long form article. Uh, and he recently kind of repackaged it into a book and and put a bit more info on it. But I would probably, yeah, just start with uh, with the article. It's about a 40 minute read. Um, and I think that will kind of get, you know, the gear spinning. And from there, um, I would probably read the Bitcoin standard and and that should give a, a really comprehensive view of kind of the, uh, you know, the, the thesis for for Bitcoin and, and you know, why it's uh, why it's valuable. And then from there, I think podcasts are the best way. Um, you know, uh, Stefan Levera is a really good podcast. Uh, you know, Marty and uh, Matt O'Dell with Tales from the Crypt. And um, Preston Pish, um, the, uh, we study billionaires. There's, they do like a Wednesday release where it's, it's uh, uh, Bitcoin only. And the first episode that he recorded with Robert Breedlove, uh, I think it's called uh, Bitcoin Misconceptions. Uh, that that two hour podcast is like really really good for someone who's uh, just get just getting into Bitcoin. Nice, I listened to all those, and I just saw Robert Breedlove mm-hmm. started his own podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh, one other. Uh, I don't know if you can put these in the show notes, but there's also when um, when Michael Saylor had the Bitcoins for Corporation uh, 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 event a, a little while ago, he had a, an interview with Ross Stevens from Nidig. Um, and that one was was really good as well. Uh, I'll, I'll find I, that. I've, I'll put that in the show notes. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've sent that to a few people, and and they were definitely orange pilled uh, after that one. So, uh, yeah, so that that would kind of be my recommendation. Those those resources, but once once you once you get started, and once you go down the rabbit hole, there's just like a million things to read, and not enough time in the day. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I kind of got into Bitcoin. I guess right in the pandemic, it was uh, right when it started. I just somehow I. I read an article and I just started reading more and more and more and kind of went down the rabbit hole and started reading books, videos, podcasts, everything I could. And it's just, uh, it's, it gets addicting. <laughs> yeah. That's usually what happens. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, how can folks learn more about, uh, yourself and Bitbo and the things you're working on, uh, online? Yeah. Best thing is just to follow me on Twitter. My handle is C Gimmer. Um, and they can check out uh, bitbo.io if they if they want to check out some uh, stats on, on on Bitcoin, and uh, snappa.com is is uh, the other business. Excellent! Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, listeners. Please check out bitbo.io. It's a great uh, Bitcoin dashboard, and I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, how it progresses. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by our affiliate Gemini. Gemini is a well-respected cryptocurrency exchange started by Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. If you're interested in purchasing Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other altcoins, please check out their website at gemini.sjv.io backslash Moontower to learn all about it. Thank you.